My scripture is from John chapter 17, verses 6 through 23. Would you please stand for the reading of the Holy Scripture? John chapter 17, beginning with verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours." All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for them only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. May God add his richest blessing to reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me please? Our Father in heaven, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have spoken to us. We thank you that you have given us your Son, the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we pray now as we look to your word that we would see your Son high and lifted up and hear his voice and that you would sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. So speak to us and work in our lives and hearts in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. What does 
Jesus want for us? What do you want for your children when they are asleep and it's finally quiet and you step into their room and look at them sleeping and think that the clock is ticking and too soon this will be over? The things you hope, the things you aspire, and the things you fear, what do you want? For them, words of Dr. Zeus reflect what all of us think when we walk and look at our children sleeping at night. Oh, the places you'll go. What do you pray for your children? In the passage before us, Jesus prays for his people. He is about to be betrayed, arrested, tried, and crucified. But now before he goes to that, he prays to the Father for his disciples. And he does it in their hearing. He wants them and he wants us to know what he prays, and thus he wants us to know what he wants for us, his people. Let's look at what Jesus wants for us. First, in this passage, you see that Jesus wants us to know the Father. He wants us to know the Father. Look at verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they believe that you have sent me. Now here Jesus is not really making any request for his people. He's identifying the people for whom he's praying. He's laying out the basis for his prayer. You you remember he began that prayer, the first five verses of chapter 17, with the glory of God and, and his return to glory and giving his people eternal life. And now as he begins to move into his request for his people, here in these verses, Jesus is saying, why he's praying for them. And you see that Jesus prays to the Father for them on the basis that he has made the Father known to them. Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Verse 8, I have given them the words that you gave me. Now John, if the gospel of John, if it teaches us anything over and over again, John teaches us that Jesus makes the Father known. He reveals the Father to us. No one has seen God at any time. But the only begotten Son of God, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has made Him known. Jesus said, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. 
And so he manifested the Father's name to his people. He spoke the Father's words to his people. This is why Jesus came into the world, so that his people could know the Father. This is the purpose of his mission. His taking on flesh and blood and dwelling among us so that we could see his glory. He came to reveal to us the invisible Father. This is why he lived a life of perfect obedience. This is why he went to the cross so we could know the Father. By his death, by his blood, he bore our sin that separates us from the Father. He bore the wrath and curse of God which we justly and rightly deserve so that we could be restored and received back into the knowledge of and relationship with the Father. This is why he would rise again and ascend to heaven because finally one day he will raise us from the dead to live forever in the happy presence of God, the Father Almighty. No one comes to the Father but by me. There's no relationship, no happy, peaceful relationship in any way with the Father outside of the Son. But in and through the Son, there is knowledge. There is a true, unbreakable bond with the Father. Jesus wants His people to know the Father. You know the Father. You're close to the Father. Do you call Him Father? I've been saying that a lot these past messages, but John and Jesus recorded in John, they make it clear that Jesus brings us to know the Father. And we are His children and we are to call Him Father. It's a bad habit some men have, at least I think it's a bad habit, of calling a boy son that's not their son. I was always one of those that if some man called me son, I'd look up at him and say, you ain't my daddy. Now I realize some boys appreciate it, and that's fine, but I always felt that if someone who wasn't my daddy or granddaddy called me son, he was overstepping a boundary. And on the other side of the coin, generally if your children call you by your name instead of daddy or Papa or Mama, and there are exceptions. I called my grandmother who raised me, Pearl, maybe because I want to be like Atticus children. I don't know. But if you don't call your parents Mama or Papa or Daddy, you're building a boundary where there should not be one. And in Jesus Christ... The boundary between us and the Father is gone. We need to realize that. 
Our catechism teaches us that in Christ we are received into the number and have a right to all the privileges of the sons of God. We need to realize this. We need to own this to avail ourselves of the privileges of being the children of God the Father Almighty. Jesus wants us to know the Father. Secondly, in this passage you see that Jesus wants us to be kept. He wants us to be kept. Look at verse 9. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Jesus is not praying for the whole world, but specifically for the people the Father gave him. Look at verse 6 again. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. This is a special people given by the Father to the Son. The Son has made the Father known to them. These people are the ones who kept the Father's word. These are the ones in verse 8 who have come to know the truth and believe that the Father sent him. But there's another side to belonging to this special people. Look at verse 14. I have given them your word. And the word has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. To belong to the Son. It puts one at odds with the world. The world hates Jesus and it hates those who truly belong to Him. And so Jesus prays for His people whom the Father has given Him out of the world to be kept. I want us to look at several aspects of our being kept in this chapter. First, we are kept by the Holy Father's name. Look at verse 11. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Now, of course, one's good name is tied up in his reputation, in his honor, and Jesus prays for his Father to keep us by his name. It's not coincidental that in the same verse you see he calls him Holy Father. Because he says, you are my Father and their Father, keep them. Do not forsake them. And because you are holy, do not let your holy people be pulled back into or destroyed by the evil and unholy world. Holy Father, keep them in your name. We are kept in the Holy Father's name. Secondly, we are kept in the midst of of hostility. Look at verse 14. 
I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He says the world hates them as it hated him. He says, but I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm not asking you to remove them from hostility, hatred, and opposition. I'm asking you to keep them even though they are in the midst of it. I'm not asking you to keep them from trouble, but I am asking you to keep them from the evil one, the devil. We're kept in the Holy Father's name. We're kept in the midst of trouble. Thirdly, we're kept in Jesus' joy. Look at verse 13. But now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. The ones whom the world hates, he says, these same people may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. There's a joy that is not dependent upon one's circumstances. It is the joy of Jesus. The joy of being in relationship with the Father, being safe. And no one in no circumstance can take his joy away. And fourthly, on our being kept, you see that we will not be lost. Look at verse 12. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. There was one disciple who was lost, and he was not one of those special people whom the Father gave to the Son. What's the point of belonging to this special people. It's being a child of the Father and of knowing Him as Father. How is Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and then went out and hanged himself, how is he described here in verse 12? the son of destruction. Or, as the King James says, the son of perdition. Son of the devil. Son of hell. He's not the son of the father. He never was. But the child of the father never ceases to be the child of the Father because Jesus prays for the true children of God to be kept. You see, Jesus wants us to know the Father. He wants us to be kept. 
Thirdly, you see that Jesus wants us to be sanctified. Look at verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now, sanctified, the word sanctified has different meanings in different contexts, but basically it means to be holy-fied. Jesus is praying, make them holy, sanctify them them. And holy has more than one meaning, but basically it means to be set apart to a divine purpose. And that's what Jesus is is getting at here. He's praying for his people to be set apart to a divine purpose. Look at verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. As Jesus was set apart for a divine mission, so he prays for them to be set apart and sanctified for the divinely appointed mission on which he sends them. Now verse 19, for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. It actually says there, literally, I sanctify myself that they may be sanctified. Jesus set himself apart to die for our sanctification so we could be set apart to him. And how are we sanctified? Look at verse 17 again. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That's what sets us apart. What separates us from the world. What sanctifies us. The word. God's word. Look back at verse 8. For I have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. This is what sets the true people of God apart. This is what sanctifies them from the world. When the true people of God hear the word, the truth of God, they believe it. They respond in faith and come out from the world. That's the line of delineation between the children of God and the children of destruction. How do you respond to the Word of God? Of course, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. And he promised when he was gone to send the spirit of truth. And the spirit of truth guided the church into the truth as he bore witness to Jesus the truth in his word. And so Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. 
Jesus wants his word. His word of truth inspired by the spirit of truth to bear witness to him who is himself the truth. Jesus wants the word of truth to set us apart. Keep us while we are in the world and sent into the world. Jesus wants us to know the Father. He wants us to be kept. He wants us to be sanctified. And fourthly and finally, you see that Jesus wants us to be one. He wants us to be one. Look at verse 21. Go back to verse 20. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Now, one perhaps could argue that I have stretched the foregoing a bit to make it apply to us. He was praying for the original 11 disciples earlier, yet by extension, it surely applies to all believers ever. But here in this last section in verse 20, Jesus absolutely and clearly prays for future believers, all future believers, all who will believe in me through their word, he says. And what he prays for all believers into the future is that we would be one as he and the Father are one. And so Jesus wants us to have unity. But why? Look at verse 23. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. The unity Jesus wants for us is not a matter of going along to get along. It's a matter of showing the world that the love of the Father and the Son has gotten into us. Look at how much the Father loves us. It says Jesus prays For the world to know that he loves us even as he loves him. Verse 23. The father so loved us that he gave his son. That means that the father loves us as much as he loves his only begotten son. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up freely for us all. That's the Father's love 
for us. And you see, this is how the world will know that we are the true, special, set-apart, sanctified people who know the Father. We, in our unity, reflect the love of the Father and the Son. You see, God is love. And the scripture defines love, and it says that love does not seek its own. In other words, true, divine love is not focused on itself. And God is love. And therefore, God cannot be focused on himself. This is one reason why we believe in the Holy Trinity. God is love. And there must be more than one person or there cannot be love. And this God who is love itself made us in his image. But by our sin, his image, while not gone, is wrecked. And Martin Luther said that the basic problem with the human race is that we're all turned in. On ourselves. And so the way the world may know that we are those loved by the Father is simply that we have been changed and we're no longer turned in on ourselves. And we love as He loves, however imperfectly. Now we're about to sing Christian Unity, the theme song of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. Psalm 133. And it says that unity is like precious ointment poured over Aaron. You know what that precious ointment did? It sanctified him. It set him apart to be the priest, that oil with which he was anointed that ran from his head down his beard to the skirts of his garments, that marked him out as set apart to the Lord. And Jesus prays for us to be sanctified, to be set apart. And he prays for us to be one. Our unity is what marks us out. That's what really shows if we know the love of the Father. We know the love of the Father, Clover ARP Church. How well do we love each other. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.